Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21. Today, we're taking a big jump into the rapture theory, and I'm going to be giving you the rapture theory timeline. Now, just as a reminder, it was on purpose we did episodes on biblical prophecy and the catechism of the Catholic Church before we ever got near trying to understand dispensationalism and the rapture at any moment theory. Why did we do that? Because the catechism is succinct, it's clear, and if you take your time, maybe read it through a couple of times, it just takes a few minutes each time, it's clear enough to bring understanding. That is not the case with the rapture at any moment theory, as you're going to see when we go through today. So don't be, uh, don't be upset if the pieces that I'm giving you don't seem to fit, because I don't think they do, but I'm going to give them to you nonetheless. I think it really pays to try to understand what other very sincere Christians believe. So I jumped ahead of myself and used a term you may or may not be aware of. The term is called dispensationalism. And you need to know that underlying the rapture at any moment viewpoint is supported by a presupposition called dispensationalism. And what's dispensationalism? Well, there are different time periods through the scriptures, like the time of the ancient patriarchs, the time of the prophets, the time of Noah. Then you get into the New Testament period, the time of the apostles. Those are different time periods. And another word for a time period is a dispensation. And there are dispensations in the Bible. What dispensationalism does is take something true, a dispensation, and makes an ism out of it, and makes too rigid a distinctions between time periods. Particularly, it tries to separate the church from the Jewish people in Israel. And we're going to actually have a whole episode on that. So, what does the rapture at any moment theory, resting upon this dispensationalist theory, what does it teach? It claims that the Bible teaches a secret rapture before a seven-year tribulation. And so you could call that view pre-trib, before the tribulation or pre-tribulation. Also, the rapture at any moment theory teaches that before the millennium begins, there would be that rapture. Uh, not necessarily right before, but before the occurrence of the millennium, there is a rapture. So before millennium is pre-mill, before tribulation is pre-trib. The rapture at any moment theory is both pre-mill and pre-trib. You can be a pre-millennialist but not be a pre-trib person. And I know this is getting confusing, but pre-trib is simply a subcategory. It's a type of the pre-mill viewpoint. Pre-mill viewpoint goes way back to the early centuries of the church. Many held it. The 
pre-trib, pre-mill version only goes back about 150 years. And none of the major Protestant reformers like Martin Luther, John Calvin, Zwingli, and such, none of them believe this. Uh, this is a fairly recent uh, occurrence over the last 150 years. So anyhow, let's jump in to the dispensational timeline. I'm trying to give you a chronology, and there's some variance between different um, dispensationalists. And again, don't be alarmed if you can't make logic of all of this. But the big point where you get pre-trib rapture is that the rapture, uh, that event described in 1 Thessalonians 4.17 where um, the believers will be snatched up or caught up to God in heaven, that rapture is eminent. That is, there's not anything intervening of significance between right now as I'm speaking, and again, I'm describing the pre-trib pre-mill viewpoint, not the Catholic viewpoint, but there's no intervening events. That, so this could happen at any moment. And there's a problem with this because uh, you're going to see that there's more than one second coming. And I know this sounds illogical, but in the rapture viewpoint, there's two second comings, you know, like a second and a third coming, or I call it a second, second coming. What is this? They say the events in 1 Thessalonians 4 are different from the events of 2 Thessalonians, which describes the rise of the Antichrist. The rise of the Antichrist happens during the tribulation, whereas the pre-trib pre-mill people say, no, the rapture occurs before that tribulation period even begins. So 1 Thessalonians 4 is talking about something different. Now, there's a little, little jingle it's worth remembering. It says that a text without a context can easily become a pretext. In other words, don't wrench a scripture out of context. The rapture verse, according to the rapture at any moment, people, is verse 7, 17 of 1 Thessalonians 4, and it says that we who are alive and who are left shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, that sounds great. Okay, you say that's different. I was told that it was different, but one thing they don't emphasize, you just back up two verses for the context so you don't get a pretext. It says this we declare to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord. Well, what coming is that? That word there for coming in Greek is parousia. And you can read biblical prophecy books, and they'll actually use this as a uh, a, a noun describing the second coming. They just translate the Greek into English, parousia. So the context of 1 Thessalonians 4.17, the rapture verse, is parousia, which is the common term for the second coming of Christ, just like the creeds. And then you go to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 1, 
St. Paul writes, now concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is the exact same word, parousia in Greek. And they're saying, well, no, that coming is different from this coming, even though there are two epistles written to the same church by the same person on the same general topic, except the first epistle was a little misunderstood, so he had a second epistle. And no, they're just wrenching it all out of contact. So the big deal about the rapture theory is that it occurs before the tribulation. I just gave you another reason why it doesn't, because First and Second Thessalonians do go together. So point one, rapture is imminent at any time, and it occurs before the seven-year tribulation begins. Point two, immediately following the rapture, there will be a seven-year tribulation, and when you read the book of Revelation, the seven seals, the seven trumpets, and the seven bowl judgments, that's what they are thinking is going to happen after the rapture and before the tribulation. So it's pre-trib rapture, pre-tribulation rapture. And then during the seven-year tribulation, the Antichrist will arise. Okay, At the end of the seven-year tribulation, point three, is the second coming of Jesus to earth during the battle of Armageddon, and Christ puts a quick end to it. But notice, this is the second, second coming of Jesus uh, in the rapture theory, because the first coming is, it says literally coming, parousia, in 1 Thessalonians 4, and they're saying that happens before the tribulation, and then we have a parousia after the tribulation. So the raptured believers, according to most dispensationalists, at least the ones that I've studied with, the raptured believers seven years earlier will return to earth with Christ right after that tribulation ends. There are also some other things that go on. This is where it really starts getting confusing. During the seven-year tribulation, there will be both Jewish people and Gentiles who come to faith. The true believers are raptured out of the world, okay? But during the tribulation, this is why they leave left-behind books for their family members and such, who if they come to faith, well, then the rapture theory says that these believers who come to faith during the tribulation will enter the millennium, but they'll do so in unresurrected, unglorified, natural bodies, while at the same time, Coming back to earth with Christ are the believers who were raptured in glorified bodies, and so for a thousand years, you'll have these two groups together. <laughs> Don't ask me to explain it, even though I swallowed it many years ago. Okay, and so at the second coming, this is the third thing that happens at the second coming, the unconverted, we just talked about the converted, the unconverted during the tribulation experience a bodily resurrection. So here we have another resurrection. We already had the rapture, okay? Another resurrection, the unconverted, the unbelievers are resurrected bodily and cast into everlasting fire. It is true that at the judgment, the second coming actually, uh, both the righteous and the wicked will be resurrected bodily and the wicked will be thrown into the lake of fire. But um, that is separated when you get into the dispensational theory. And then after that, the millennium begins, that's point four, with Jesus ruling 
the world from Jerusalem. Satan is bound for a thousand years. And that millennium then literally, very, very literally fulfills the Old Testament promises to the Jews to have a Messiah ruling the world. Um, the temple, Old Testament temple, will be rebuilt, and even some dispensationalists, certainly not all, believe that the Old Testament animal sacrifices will be offered again. I don't know how you can come up with that after reading the epistle to the Hebrews, but nonetheless, that's that. And then at the end of the thousand years, point five, Satan will be released together with a final revolt of evil. That's the little season, Revelation 20. But notice this. This is a worldwide rebellion with a vast number of unbelievers um, warring against Christ. And where did this come up during this perfect golden age of a millennium um, under this theory? It's just kind of surprising, but nonetheless, you have the final revolt, and then that's put down by Christ, and then you finally have a new heavens and a new earth. Now, you might be asking yourself, this is the big question, how did this seemingly convoluted theory arise by folks who sincerely believe the Bible? And here it is. Remember my repeated emphasis here on Luke 21 that Revelation 20 is very important? Because if you take a very literal reading of Revelation 20 and kind of a chronological reading, in other words, as you go through the verses in Revelation 20 as a timeline, that becomes the lens through which all the other scriptures about the end times are put, and that's why it becomes convoluted to the point that you have a couple of resurrections, you have a second, second coming, and confusion. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 329 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. Visit us online at luke21.com.